You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everyone. It's the second hour of Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. And I first want to mention again is that TSN 1050, they want you. I'm talking about you, the listener, to be our unofficial correspondent of the Waste Management Open in Arizona. Yes, the PGA is close to being back. So um, we want to give you airfare for two to Arizona, four-night hotel stay, tickets for the closing weekend at the Waste Management Open, 500 bucks in a Golf Town gift card, full bag fittings at the Golf Town Studio X, another $500 you can just spend on you want on anything you want. So how do you win this? I'm glad you asked. So you listen to first up every weekday for the daily waste management keyword. Now, if you hear it, you then got to tune into overdrive that same day. At some point, Hayes, Noodles, maybe the O-Dog, they're going to give you the cue to call. And when they do, you're going to call into the studio at 416-870-1050. First caller through with the correct keyword, hey, you've already won a $100 Golf Town gift card, and you qualify for the grand prize. Prize draw. When is that draw? Glad you asked. First up with Korolnik and Kolyakovo. They're going to be calling the grand prize winner on Friday, February 3rd. Full contest details available at tsn1050.ca. We're going to have Josh Lewenberg on in a second to talk about what we saw last night. Raptors and the Bucks. And just this, this, it feels like it's. You know, when, you, when you're making a snowman, you wouldn't know it here because all we get is rain and gray. But you, you get a small little ball, and then, you know, you start rolling it, rolling it. And you keep rolling it the most for the base, and then the second one a little smaller for the torso, and then the head. You know how to do it. Well, it just feels with every loss, with every six-game homestand where the Raptors go 500, the clamor, the conversation, the chatter, other words that begin with the letter C, the conversation about the Raptors with the trade deadline, it seems to grow and grow and grow. And it's it's Mark Stein and ESPN. It's Shams Sharnia um, and The Athletic. I was listening to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast, and him and Zach Lowe were talking about it as well. And it's like, oh, it's going to be Gary Trent, or it's going to be Fred Van Vliet. And where are we now with that? It just, it, where are we with the noise? And the only way to quiet that noise was for the team to go on a long winning streak. Well, they haven't done that. And by the way, the loss last night, we're going to miss Fred Van Vliet. 39 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 15 of 28 shooting. And it is Josh Lewenberg joining us on the show. Josh, thanks so much. What's up, Cos? How you doing? Um, not so good. I went back. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in general, in life, I am good. I'm sport. Okay. I'm. That's sp- all that matters. Yeah, very big picture. It, it really does. You have your health. Everything else comes second. I sound like an old man saying that. I went back and I rewatched the first and the third quarter of that loss last night. Oh, why? Um, well, for preparation, but your 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 thought is the right one. <laughs> and when it wasn't Grayson Allen going through Scotty Barnes and Siakam for a dunk, um, it was Drew Holiday getting layups. It was Brooke Lopez open over and over again. And then maybe the one that angered me the most, 35-year-old journeyman Joe Ingles getting so many layups. Last night, I think that was the worst I've seen the Raptors play defensively. 
Yeah, and I mean, the bar has been set pretty low in terms of the quality of the defense <laughs> recently. I mean, yes. it at one point, like a couple weeks ago, that they were starting to turn the corner a little bit in that respect. Like, there were three or four games in a row where the defense still wasn't great, but was getting a little bit closer to league average as opposed to what it was before that. But then here we go again. I mean, even as the Raptors have won some games recently, two games against Charlotte, obviously quality of competition alert there, but the defense was not great in those games either. The the win in New York, as impressive as that was, for a few reasons, the defense wasn't really one of them. Like, they've taken a big step back on the defensive end, basically all year. And considering that was supposed to be their biggest strength, like I think when we're rating the many disappointments of the season to this point, the defense as a whole would be right up there. And I say as a whole because it's it's not, and this is where the problem is in terms of figuring out how to fix it or what the problem is. It's not just one area. Like the transition defense has been bad, and a big reason for that, as Nick Nurse likes to point out, is the offense has been bad most of the time right like when you're not getting good shots and you're missing a lot of them you're basically allowing the other team to get out in fast break opportunities and and, and it's tough when your transition defense to get back and get back and get back uh, as often as they've had to this year but listen the half court defense hasn't been much better recently they're not stopping anyone at the rim, which isn't surprising given the roster construction. But they're not stopping anybody on the perimeter right now either. They, the Raptors, I mean, they've been doing this for years, but they continue to give up a, a ton of looks from beyond the arc, a ton of corner threes, and teams are hitting them. And you can kind of shrug your, your shoulders and say, well, it, it, it's a three-point shot, high variance. Like, sometimes they they fall and whatever. You can only stop that to, to a certain degree, but like yeah. if if those looks are, are wide open, these are NBA players. A lot of teams in the NBA can shoot. Raptors aren't really one of them, but a lot of teams can shoot, right? Like so if you're you're giving up all these open shots, eventually teams are gonna burn you. And and to give up what was it, 130 points to a Bucks team missing their two best players without Giannis it's, it's, it's pretty glaring. And maybe to your point, maybe that's the most glaring of the defensive failures recently just because, I mean, the Bucks, as good as they are, they came in last night ranked 24th in offense. Yep. And that's with Giannis and not with Middleton for most of the year. But bottom line is, like, it, it, it's a, the Bucks are still really good. Drew Holiday is still really good. But you're missing Giannis, you're missing Middleton, you're missing Brooke Lopez after he gets ejected in the fourth quarter. You, you can't give up. They gave up. 38 points or more in two out of the four quarters and 19 threes overall that it's 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 really tough to win a game like that your offense has to be really really good there's almost no room for error and the Raptors make a lot of errors and their offense isn't very good how curious would you be if you could sit down individually with the coach with Masai and one or two of the players and they're given truth serum about what the hell happened this year? Like, I got to tell you, if, cause you know, sometimes when a season comes to an end, then we find out all the leaks come out on all sides, but then you're not sure who to trust because when you see a leak or sources say, you know, you, there's always an agenda. But how curious would you be to find out just what the hell happened? What before the season, during training camp, uh, during, you know, j- during this season about what the hell happened to this team? 
I'd be curious, yes. I, I've spoken to, now I think it is like three players on opposing teams over the last few weeks, just in terms of like, hey, what, what, what did you see? What, what are you seeing with this Raptors team right now? And all three of them told me some variation of something seems off. And all three of them have played against the Raptors before, previous years, watched this team. And they, they all said, something seems off. And I pressed them. I'm like, okay, well, w- what do you think it is? And, and one of them mentioned connectivity. So it, it's hard to quantify what that means, where it comes from, how it falls apart. I mean, one of the things that I've heard a few times, just in terms of this, this is just speculation from people and, and reports, is that maybe there are players on this team that don't get along, that don't like each other. And, like, I mean, listen, first of all, I – don't know that to be true. I haven't heard that myself. I haven't seen that. But second of all, like, does that really even matter if they like each other? Like, there are teams, there are a lot of teams over the course of NBA history, even recent history, of teams, players that don't like each other that end up doing just fine if they have that on-court chemistry and connectivity. I don't think those things are are always tied together. In fact, I know there were key players on that 2019 Raptors championship team who hated each other. And they did just fine in the end because they had that connectivity and chemistry on the floor. They also had a few other things, right? Like the talent was there and the the basketball IQ, the defense, like all these things are important. But uh, yeah, I mean, and that, that might be why we keep coming back and talking about the defense because they're certainly not for a lack of talent on this team, right? Like, no. there are great individual defenders on this team. They were built to defend. They've got the length and the versatility, the quickness, athleticism, like all, all of this stuff. But for some reason, they just don't seem to be tied together out there. And when you're playing a defensive system like Nick Nurse's, it really requires you to be tied in, to be connected. And for whatever reason, they're not. Were you taken aback the other day? We played the sound on Monday when the president of the Players Union, C.J. McCollum, just so casually said, oh, yeah, the guys are going to get traded. I would talk more about it, but, you know, tampering, because <laughs> you know how important the NBA is to make sure tampering never happens. But were you, like, for me, I wasn't as shocked by the content, by the words he said, because we've heard that from so many sources. But just it was sort of the casual nature of, of what he was saying. I didn't hear it. I just saw the the quote. Um, yeah, I mean, listen. Like I said, I think that's that's the sense that I'm getting from a lot of opposing players when you're because it's one thing to watch this team and even even watching the team. Like you're getting that same sense. I'm getting that same sense. A lot of people are getting that sense that something is off, even if you can't put your finger on it or quantify it. And certainly, if you're out there on the floor playing in these games, I think you have a better sense of what's going on with the team. Just being there and kind of seeing it play out in real time, especially for veteran players, a guy like C.J. McCollum who's seen the Raptors before. And the Raptors, like, this isn't the franchise of the organization of 10 years ago. Like, the Raptors have developed a really strong reputation as an organization around the league, and part of that is, like, the, the, the culture, the on-court culture in addition to the off-court culture. But I'm talking about the on-court culture just in the way that like when you play the Raptors or at least this has been the case in years past you play the Raptors you know that's going to be a long night for you just in terms of the way they get after it 
they're relentless, they're annoying at times to play against. Yeah. And I think players, and, and this is probably what McCollum's speaking to, I think players are surprised this year when they play the Raptors. Not that, I mean, like, they, they do their little fake comeback thing in the fourth quarter, so they're still doing that thing where they, they don't go away quietly, but there just isn't that same fight to them. I think teams are having an easier time playing against the Raptors as the defense would speak to that, um, than they have in years past. So I, that, that's what I took from it in terms of the, like, guys will be traded thing. Like, he doesn't know any more than we do in, in that respect. Like, I don't not, unless he's got a mole in the Raptors' front office. And as I've said before, I don't even think Masai and Bobby know for sure right now with three weeks to go before the deadline what they're going to do. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, if, if you're placing a bet normally going into the trade deadline, the safe bet is always that your team isn't going to make a trade because it's always more likely that the trade doesn't happen than the trade does happen. It's hard to make trades, especially in the middle of the year. But, yeah, if I'm a betting man, then the, the nature of your program, right, if we're betting on this, yeah. Right now, I would say it's more likely the Raptors make a move. I still don't think it's going to be like a let's tear everything down and trade everyone type of move. But the the name that keep coming back to is Gary Trent Jr. And I think no matter what the Raptors situation was right now, if they were winning, if they're losing, buying, selling, whatever, just based on his contractual situation and maybe – if you're if you're not able and willing to pay your fifth guy, and that's what he is, what he's going to be getting paid in the summer, probably north of a hundred million dollars, it makes sense to get something for him now. So yeah, I mean, I, at minimum, I would say expect a neutral move or two, with obviously the possibility that they could do something more. So yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a pretty safe bet that McCollum is making here. I'll leave you with this, and I just need a number here. If the number is zero for what the decibel level was on trade chatter before the start of the season. So we'll say that. We'll go one. Let's not do absolutes. The trade chatter surrounding the Raptors right before the opening game of the season was a one out of ten. What is the decibel level right now on trade chatter for this team? Eight. Nine, like they're probably at probably the highest number in the league about any team right now in terms of like trade chatter. I know the Lakers have been up there for a while. Like, what could they do? But yeah, they're always that, up like, there. It's, it's the yeah, Lakers. Which, they're always chatting. Even the NBA, are you hearing more rumblings out of than than what could happen with the Raptors? I mean, it, and we've said it before. Like, they, they're a domino here. They might be the domino in the NBA where teams are waiting around and trying to anticipate what they could do or what they might not do because, yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of a seller's market right now. It's a weird time in the NBA where there are a lot of teams in the murky middle that I think a lot of them think that they could be a contender. So I'm not sure how many teams are going to be selling, meaning that if the Raptors are, they've got guys that are highly coveted and they might have two or three guys if they decide to go in that direction that are right up there at the top of, like, best available players in the league. So, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they're an interesting team right now, for sure. They are, unfortunately, for all the wrong reasons, but still fascinating to discuss. Josh, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for joining the show. We will read your work at tsn.ca. We'll listen to you. The next broadcast is tomorrow against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Always appreciate Thanks for joining the show.
All right, Paul. Stop soon, man. Take care. On the other side, Sheldon Keefe talks about pulling Matt Murray, and we have some absolutely hilarious sound to play. There is nothing better than when teams go and visit the White House, because it leads to sort of pronunciation issues that you only hear on TSN Radio from 2 to 4 o'clock. We'll do that right after traffic. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. This is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Embrace the odds. I want winners. That Leafs game was a lot of fun. And, and, and first off, to Paul Maurice, shut up. All right? Like, listen... If you want to look at the history of the Leafs versus the officials, go look at the playoffs the last bunch of years. Go look at that and tell me the Leafs. Like, go hang out with Daryl Sutter. That's the worst. Oh, all these, anyway, all these call. And listen, it wasn't a great game. The, the, the officials were not great. And yes, as an outside neutral observer, uh, Toronto got a little more of the benefit from it. But, you know, a, a if you just go and look on the whole, uh, the Leafs are a team where the officials rarely give any favors to. But the game itself was a ton of fun. Leafs beat the Panthers 5-4 in overtime. And first, uh, let's hear from the coach, Sheldon Keefe, talking about four goals on like like eight shots. Um, he had to pull them. Uh, why did the coach pull Matt Murray? You know, the goal that I had to pull him on, it's big-time shot by Barkoff. Um you know, it's, it's just more, for me, I'm more pulling the goaltender for our team. Like, it's, you just need to change something. You know, you, you can't give up four goals on eight shots, no matter how you, how you shake it out. But um, that was really it. You know, um, you look at the actual goals and all that, I don't know. I didn't see it. I think any of the goals are too egregious or weak or anything like that. There's some traffic and things involved inside of each of those goals. But um, clearly we needed to change something. And Sammy went in and did a really good job. And we had a couple of breakdowns, big saves, got the crowd into it, gave the guys some life and reason to keep pushing, and, and we did. That was a great game last night if you were a Leafs fan. Fantastic. Matt Murray was bad. Four goals and eight shots. But let's look at everything else. Leafs trailed Florida for most of that game. They fought their way back. That game started with depth scoring by Toronto. Dryden Hunt, Alex Kerfoot. Then it was the Stars, Austin Matthews, goal at the end of the second period. William Nylander, the number one star, three points, including the overtime winner. And Mitch Marner, who certainly started that game bad, including that horrible uh, turnover that led to the shorty. He had two assists. He started taking over as well. Florida came in winning five of their last seven games. And what did the Leafs do last night? They basically doubled Florida in shots. They were able to overcome bad goaltending, and they were able to get the win. Morgan Riley had one of his better games. I mean, you saw him on the Dryden Hunt goal. Takes the hit from Radko Gudis. Not a great night for him. And that was a great job by Riley. On the rush, take the hit, send the puck to the right spot. I think on a whole, Josh, you look at last night's game, and you have to be thrilled with what you saw from the Maple Leafs. Absolutely. You know you can claw back. And stay in order. That yeah. was like a playoff intensity type game. I know we like to shoot that word out quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. but it was mm-hmm. in a in a high intense matchup. Yep. You had your goalie being taken out. You had Florida scoring on almost every shot within the first two periods. You had the Maple Leaf Stars saying it's over, it's done with. 
I'm coming in. I'm scoring. With Austin Matthews scoring with one second left, yep. that was the road, and that was the goal they wanted to take. Yep. My perspective on that game was Ilya Samsonov coming in and being clutch. He was. He had to come in and prove a point, and he did. Like, he was up for the challenge, and the 11 shots that he took were, or that he, that he, that he saved, were hard shots. They were peppering him the entire night. And then the second storyline was overcoming questionable officiating mm-hmm. yet again. Oh, yeah. Like, have you noticed the trend ever since Keith got that fine mm. a couple weeks back? There's been some questionable calls, questionable takes that the Maple Leafs have had to deal with and overcome at the same time. Has Sutter and uh, Paul Maurice, have they been fined? Have they been fined? In recent history? No, no, no in, the, in recent months. No. Have they been fined for comments they've made after Leaf games? They have not. You know, I, I, you know, I, I blame Sean Keefe. I blame his face for all those fines. Like, he was just, so upset. Just, just free. Like I think him versus Nick Nurse is a great battle. Which coach just freaks out more? Which one screams or which one just opens oh, the mouth? Oh, my God. Off? It's just, and both of them are absolutely hilarious. And Nylander's goal. He, he totally played hero. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. He was, the, uh, he was the Batman of last night's game. He was. Not... He, not the Gary Batman, the Batman. The, the yes, the actual Batman. Um, you know, draws the uh, the penalty for the draws the penalty for, uh, to get the uh, the penalty shot. I don't like the way that sentence sounded. My for the penalty shot. That sounds like from Austin Mal- uh, Austin Matthews. Allow myself to introduce myself. Anyway, uh, then then you know the karma bounced back. The goal scored off his head. But then yeah, in overtime, dry, driving pass for Hagee, beating Bobrovsky. That was a great one. Um, so good on the Maple Leafs. Uh, moving from that, there's nothing better than when teams visit the White House because whoever the president is, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, man, they love screwing up names. And here's. Joe Biden, Golden State Warriors being celebrated, and here's Joe Biden forgetting Clay Thompson. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and uh, and Kyrie. Well, you guys are so incredible. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steph, Draymond, and uh, yeah, you guys are great. All you guys, and you guy over there, the shooting guard who who's great defensively and and can hit five threes in a quarter. That's so embarrassing. Oh my God, it's so embarrassing, but it's so good. And the thing is, I recognize that. I've been there so many times, forgetting names. I remember one time, and I forget, I, by the way, now I forget the name of the player. Years and years ago, me and Gareth Wheeler were doing the show from, um, uh, from down in Etobicoke where the team practices at the Performance Center, the Ford Performance Center, whatever the hell it's called. And we, this was before the you know, journey, early training camp. The Leafs would bring players up to us. The Leafs brought a player up, and he sat down. And I'm like, hey, thanks for coming on. I don't know who the player is. I don't. I can't recognize his face. And Gareth Wheeler, that beautiful man, you know, says the guys. Like we come out of like, hey, my God, Gareth Wheeler here. And Gareth's like, hey, we're here. We're joined by, and he says the name. I'm like, oh, thank you. How thankful were you, boy Devereaux, or so? Who knows who the hell it was? I was so thankful because I was about to do play it again, play the Biden one again. For I was about to do this, uh, talking about a Maple Leaf. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and uh, and Kyrie. Well, you guys are so incredible. I mean. <laughs>
<laughs> and now one more. Just uh, for, give me Bill Clinton. This is years and years ago. The Red Wings are going uh, to visit the White House. And the key part here, before he screws up Steve Eiserman, listen to the seven seconds leading up to it. Because you know in Bill Clinton's brain, he's like, ah, oh, damn it, I don't know this guy's name. Commissioner Bettman, <clears throat> Coach Bowman, oh, Denise boy. Illich, oh, General Manager Holland, uh, uh, to... Captain. The team captain, uh, Steve Azerman, and uh, all the Red Wings. <laughs> you have to feel so bad because uh, he's in the moments like, I am I going know. off the rails. I don't, I don't know who this is. Who are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Don't they, don't they give the, yes. the presidents like oh, oh, they did. a full breakdown of it? This is who's coming in. We're going to mention your name. This is who's going to come yeah, up but, to the podium. Yeah, but I've had a legion of producers say, Matt, this is how they say their name. And then I say it wrong. And and the same thing. He was Clinton was looking at the teleprompter, saw Iserman, and was like, and the team captain Steve Iserman. Oh, that's good. You know what? We'll revisit this at the end of the show. But on the side, uh, senior NBA analyst from VEASAN, also uh, does a lot of NFL as well. Jonathan Van Tobel, he is going to join the show in just a moment after traffic. And traffic's brought to you by JanPro, proudly serving Canadian business for over 25 years. Put your trust in JanPro, the leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Visit janpro.ca today. Time now for traffic. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. We're going to be joined by Jonathan Van Tobel in a second, senior NBA analyst and a host at VEASAN, which anyone listening to the show knows we are a big fan of. They are the sports betting network, the first 24-7 broadcast network dedicated exclusively to sports betting. You can follow them on Twitter at VEASAN Live. That's V-S-I-N. And their team of betting experts deliver all the news, analysis, sports fans need to inform their wagering decisions again go to vison.com i wonder if any of their uh choices were uh take brooke lopez to have six or more rebounds i did he ended up with one and you know one of the problems was early on when he's in the game everyone was hitting their shots the raptors defense was so bad there was no rebound opportunities and the raptors their credit they were scoring a ton nearly 40 points for fred van vliet the stupid Brooke Lopez doesn't hit his rebound total, and this is where we are at. Uh, Jonathan Van Tobel is on the line. Jonathan, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, happy to be back. Um, let's um, actually, you know what? Before we get into the NBA, I saw a tweet that you sent out from this weekend. It would have been from Saturday night. Jags plus six fifty five in game. Let's do this thing. At any point, Jonathan, after four interceptions for Trevor Lawrence, at any point as Jacksonville was making their comeback, did you put any little sprinkle on the Jags? Oh, oh yeah, that was the bet. I bet them in game at plus six fifty five money line. Uh, it was right after they scored a touchdown to go down twenty seven thirteen, if I remember correctly. Um, so I got in on the comeback. <laughs> so Congrats. Uh, it, was a, it was a nice, yeah, it was a nice little lottery ticket to hit. But you could kind of feel, you could see the Chargers' offense kind of sputtering, and you could see the Jags having some success. So felt like it was worth a little bit at six fifty five, and uh, it got home. So that's always fun to hit. Nice work by you. So then, forget a senior NBA analyst. Our NFL analyst is on with us. Is there one of the four games? And we'll just do like straight up spreads here. We're not because I want to get into NBA yeah. with you. Uh, but KC's favored by eight and a half. Philly seven and a half. Buffalo four and a half. And I got 49ers at three and a half. Um, so is, of the four games, and you know, favorite or underdog, is there one? 
that's calling out to you, that's screaming, JVT, you got to take this one. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been kind of riding this 49ers train a bit, so I laid it with them over the weekend against Seattle. I'm going to come back and lay that cheap three and a half with them again here against Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, I think a lot of people are getting really worked up about uh, taking down Tampa Bay at uh, Tom Brady, which is, it's a good win, and the way that they did it with these is solid too, but this defense is a whole other level that they're facing here. It's not even about what San Francisco can do offensively, and I think Dak Prescott, who actually had quite a few turnover-worthy plays down the stretch for the Dallas Cowboys. Might revert back to form here on the road against the best defense in the NFL. So I lay three and a half with San Francisco. And we all know about the kicking woes that we saw last week. And also San Fran has an extra day and a half of rest over the Cowboys. Moving over to the NBA, what do you do when it comes to LeBron James? Because he's on this heater, 35 points per game in January, 48 the other night. They're taking on Sacramento, and the Kings are near the bottom in defense in the NBA, but this is like the fifth game in seven nights for LeBron, and so I'm kind of leaning towards the under, and they got it set at 34 and a half. 34 points is still a lot. How do you approach when it comes to putting a bet on King James? Yeah, I tend to be pretty boring with these in that I'm looking to bet them under rather than over. You know, all of the factors that you're talking about here, and also, you know, you have to realize as a better Right, the, the popular play where everybody is looking to bet these, or a vast majority of people are looking to bet these things, is over. Right, it's LeBron James. He's a star. Uh, he is a popular player. He is taking on a poor defense. So more often than not, these numbers are shaded a little bit higher than they should be. You're paying, you know, a premium on betting this thing over, laying a small price in some spots. I tend to look to bet these things under. And to your point, uh, right, it's pretty high already, and everything on all the outside factors coming into this. I think that it's probably a little high. You're getting more value out of that thing betting it under than you are over because it's a little bit higher than it should be, and you're paying some on that juice, too. Yeah, so I I agree. I think people out there, I know we want to take the over. I always try to find over bets that make sense just because it's more fun. But but in this case, everyone likes to bet on LeBron. I would say take the under. Um, Well, let's stick on that theme of star player in the under. Uh, Jokic right now deserves to be the MVP favorite um, for, um, you know, he deserves to be the favorite. But it's back-to-back for Denver, and they beat Portland last night, and and Jokic again was incredible, triple-double, shot like 11 of 12, just dumb numbers. But 48-and-a-half points, rebounds, and assists against Minnesota. And again, back-to-back, Jokic played the most minutes of anyone last night for the Nuggets. I'm kind of leaning towards the under, even though it's fun to bet the over on uh, on any Jokic prop. Yeah, I think that relies on whether or not Rudy Gobert is going to play, right? So he's questionable to play today, as is Anthony Edwards. Mm. If Gobert is going to be out there, then I would expect, you know, maybe you should look at that under, like, like you talked about, second leg of a back-to-back. Also, all right, Jamal Murray sat yesterday for the Denver Nuggets, so Jamal Murray's going to be out there. Right. That would mean fewer shot attempts for Nikola Jokic against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves, to give them some credit, too, since the start of January, have started to turn things around a little bit. They're playing better defensively. Uh, they've won. They're starting to win with a little bit more regularity. They're starting to, although it's been a while already. They're starting to get used to playing without Carl Anthony Towns. Their offense has started to take off a little bit. Uh, I, I would probably look, to, like to your point, to bet Jokic under for a lot of different factors. But I think the things you want to wait for is see if Rudy Gobert is going to play today. And if that's going to be the case, that would definitely lead you to playing that under. Because Murray out there and Gobert out there, I think that would alter his numbers there against Minnesota. 
So if we were doing a show all about betting the unders, and this would be like the sharp show, but I'm a dummy. I'm a fan. I need me some overs. And also, I like to grab uh, narratives that don't mean squat, but I don't care. I'm going to take them. So I love Luka Doncic over 34.5 points tonight against Atlanta. The Hawks team that once passed him in the draft, every player has got a long memory and a thin skin. I'm taking the over of 34.5. Jonathan Van Von Tobel from Vison. How say you, sir? Uh, I, I don't hate it. I mean, he, look, he's going to get the shot attempts, right? And that's always going to help because it's Luka Doncic. It's going to be there for him. I guess if I was to poke a hole in it, uh, it would be that, you know, Atlanta, from a defensive standpoint, is starting to get healthy, right? Clint Capella back on the floor. Uh, DeJounte Murray's been back for a while now, too. And that has been the only consistent thing for Atlanta, like this entire season has been their defense. Their offense has kind of stunk, but their defense has been pretty solid. They're 12th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. They're much better with Clint Capella out there. They have some good wing defenders. They can throw at Doncic. Uh, maybe they're going to go with the game plan of get the ball out of his hands and get everybody else involved. Um, that might probably work against him a little bit, right, if you're going to the under, if you're trying to work that angle. Also, sounds like Dorian Finney-Smith is going to be back out there. Dorian Finney-Smith's a pretty good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, so maybe that means one or two fewer attempts for Doncic and one or two for him. Uh, I think that's probably the case that you're making if you're going under the uh, under the total for Luka Doncic points. Uh, I don't know if you wanted me to make that case, no. him, but I think that's where you're going. <laughs> I wanted, I needed one over. So between, uh, okay, then let me ask you this: Jokic, yeah. Doncic, LeBron. You can only you got to bet the over on one of those three. Which one do you do? Hmm. I probably all right. If we're making, if you're making me pick between the yes. three of them, yes. I probably rank them: LeBron, Luca, and Jokic. How about that? In terms of the way I'd want to bet them over, just because to your point about like we go back to LeBron really quickly, that is going to be a fast-paced game. Those are the, that is teams second and fifth in terms of pace in the NBA, so they're going to get up and down the floor. They've gotten the Lakers a lot quicker with Anthony Davis not playing. They obviously don't have much shot creation out there too. So I guess if I was ranking all those, if I want to bet one over, I'd probably go with LeBron. All right. Um, I, we end with this. I just saw this tweet, and you can say big deal, little deal, or no deal. Uh, a, a reporter who covers the Brooklyn Nets, and it's been ages since we've had to feast off the soap opera that is Brooklyn. Uh, Kyrie was asked why Kevin Durant's absence is different this year. He says, well, I'm constantly in the lineup. That helps. We also don't have anyone who is halfway in-in the locker room. And in-in is not a typo. Kyrie is saying they don't want anyone in the locker room who is halfway in. I don't know if that's anything against Kevin Durant. I, I, I feel like it's maybe more against James Harden. But anytime Kyrie speaks, I at least have to bring it up. Uh, big deal, little deal, or no deal? I, I think it's I think it's no deal, right? It sounds like what he's saying is, you know, like it's not a big deal that Kevin Durant's not playing because we have a locker room that is filled with guys that are in and not not art to you like to use his term aren't halfway in in right. Uh, this is a pretty galvanized group. It's. I mean, if you think about it, you could kind of make the weird case if you wanted to, like if you're in that locker room, uh, that it's a bunch of guys with chips on their shoulders who are kind of playing against everybody else, right? Kyrie Irving, the world thinks he's crazy. Ben Simmons, everybody's giving up on him. Kevin Durant, everybody thinks he's a thin-skinned loon who's always on social media. Like, you could probably galvanize each other relatively easily if you really buy into it. I mean, look, we saw Georgia, 
right, think that they were an underdog for some reason, despite <laughs> being a massive favorite, right? So uh, <laughs> I would think that eh, it sounds like maybe nothing uh, for that part. And they've been playing relatively well, though they've lost the two games without KD. They've been yeah. playing pretty well for the most part all season. They have been. By the way, is there anything more annoying than when the team wins the championship? No one believed in us. You had the second shortest <laughs> odds at the beginning of the year. You were favored by two touchdowns. Stop it with that. That, or to be honest with you, I thought the reporter who asked him the question was even more shocking. If you remember, she asked him, there were a lot of doubters. Right, and I thought, like, right. What kind of a question is that? There was nobody who doubted them. Yes, you're right. I want to go to that reporter and just go cite your sources. Who is the people that <laughs> doubted? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, that's 100% right. Of course, Jonathan, uh, your answer to the last question is 100% wrong. This is Kyrie saying that Durant is lousy, horrible. He uh, hurts the team, drags them down. It's his team now. And check out his new documentary. Actually, don't check out his new documentary. Uh, yeah, Jonathan, always appreciate it. Again, everyone out there, vsin.com, V-S-I-N.com. You'll find Jonathan and so many of the other uh, great guests that come on this show plying their trade over there they do a fantastic job thanks so much for joining the show today thank you so much appreciate it take care that is jonathan von tobel so yes be careful tonight there's uh donchich there's lebron there's Jokic. there's a lot of places we want to bet the overs i'll just say this i am definitely taking the under on lebron fifth game in seven nights that's uh that's too much for me there's just he's he's gonna. I, I think it's gonna be a slower night tonight for LeBron James. I know Sacramento stinks, but I'm taking the under on LeBron. Mm. Taking the under. Mm, this is an intriguing matchup. Under thirty four and a half points. But it's the Sacramento Kings. I know. I know. allow a lot against LeBron's, guards and forwards. I know LeBron's not a young man. Fifth game in seven nights. That's fair. Yeah, coming so, in as a game time decision. Yeah. So, yeah exactly. Answer. Yeah. GTD. All right, on the other side, uh, we're going to giggle again at uh, current and former presidents and their inability to pronounce names. Is it hypocritical of me to make fun of others for their inability to say names? Yes, it is. Time now for traffic. All right, I need to get my producer on the line. He sent me this story about the viral... French toast guy. So some dude got on the TTC and then put down a table and a and uh, a white tablecloth and started eating French toast on the subway. But apparently that was a marketing ploy for Wendy's. It was. There's all. There, I've looked through my TikTok, my Instagram. Uh-huh. And all you see is this man. Yeah. Chowing down mm-hmm. on French toast, and they gave him the famous Toronto French toast guy. Yeah. And now to hear it's the storyline that it's Wendy's to launch their French toast sticks. Is Wendy's a sponsor of TSN? Because I have thoughts, but I feel like I should keep it to myself in case they're a sponsor. I've gotten in trouble in the past from our bosses. I've made some, you know, off the cuff remarks. I even at one time, I had the president of all of TSN send me a very polite but yet pointed email about maybe you should, you know, just 
think sometimes about what you say. So I will just say this. Um, Homestyle French toast sticks sound delicious, but when it comes to the rankings of breakfast, it still goes waffles first, it's pancakes second, it's French toast third, and then crepes are a distant fourth. Get out of here with crepes! Wow. No. I, I would flip that list totally around. No, you, you would have crepes at number one? Hot take, I would take a crepe over a pancake. Oh, get the hell out of I'm here. I'm not lying Get to you. the hell out of here. I'm not no, lying it's, 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 there's nothing satisfying about a crepe. You know what a crepe is? A crepe is a delivery system for just the syrup or the fruit or whatever you have in it. Okay? That's all it is. You can do a it's lot u- with a crepe. It's u- okay, fine. It's fantastic for utility. It's not great for actual taste. No one ever goes, oh, I'm so full on these crepes. And by the way, I'm coming from someone, I love French food. I'm a bleeping snob. Okay, I love French food. Duck is better than cow. We don't have time for any of this. I didn't expect anyone to say crepes are number one. Just hit the music. We're going to sound of the day. No one ever goes. Hey, you know what they? You know what they don't have? You know what they don't have? It's like your home, at your, at your diner, your favorite local diner. There's, there's no crepes. There there's, must- there's flapjacks. You know, there's waffles. There's French toast. Matt, what went wrong with you and a crepe? This seems very. This seems, there must be a personal story uh, with, I think with a crepe incident. I think I ordered it just once. I'm like, just so disappointed. I get passionate. Did you have like fruit inside? Any bananas or like some Nutella spread? Uh, oh, you can do uh, a lot with a crepe. We don't have time for Nutella. Nutella's horrible. <laughs> Nutella is trash. Give me Joe Biden screwing up and forgetting the name of Clay Thompson when the Golden State Warriors were visiting the White House. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and uh, and Kyle. Well, you guys are something incredible. I mean, <laughs> He's like, I need to get everyone off the scent that I forgot Clay Thompson. Play that again, but also this time, he doesn't even really pronounce Draymond correctly, does he? No. Let's let's hear this one more time. Reimagine the team around the big three, Steph, Draymond, and uh, and Kyle. Well, you guys are something incredible. <laughs> I mean, Draymond. And uh, I go, yeah, you guys are great. You see that Steph Curry? What a shooter he is. And, Matt, if you look at the video, you just see the entire team <laughs> look back at each other. like, what did he just say? Uh, that was so bad, even Draymond is like, eh, I kind of miss Trump. <laughs> What's going on here? Oh, and then real quick, give me Bill Clinton um, introducing the Detroit Red Wings and screwing up Steve Iserman. Commissioner Bettman, <clears throat> Coach Bowman, Denise Illich, and General Manager Holland. Oh, no. Uh, oh, to the team captain, Steve Iserman, and uh, all the Red Wings. <laughs> I think he was happy that he also got to say all the Red Wings. He's like, how many Russians are on this team? Oh, boy, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong name. Uh, there's nothing better than when athletes visit the White House. And, ye- and yes, I'm a hypocrite for, uh, uh, for making what, fun of others. What's worse, stumbling on the name or eating a crepe? Oh, eating a crepe. Because that <laughs> brings you no joy. Or French toast on a 7 a.m. subway train ride um that would be delicious but we we're out of time i can see them in the box right now uh jeff o'neill jamie mcclennan brian hayes overdrive is coming up next gameplay on tsn 1050 was brought to you by fanduel make every moment more get your winnings fast when you download the fanduel sportsbook app today time now for traffic